0: So there was this little boy that uh, had a, always had an opportunity to, to visit with God. And, and he's kind of, God's kind of like sitting in an easy chair. And the little boy walks up and says, oh, God, um, wow, how, how much is uh, a thousand years to you? And he says, oh, about a minute. And the little boy goes, wow. And he goes, ah, how much is a, a million dollars to you, God? And he says, oh, about a dollar. And then the little boy gets excited and says, God, can I have a dollar? <laughs> he said, well, of course you can. Can you wait a minute? <laughs> so the story is is kind of cool to me. I've learned it years and years ago. And and the cool thing about it is I think God has all kinds of things for us. And I think the catch of the story is, am I willing to wait for it? Right. Am I willing to wait for God to give it to me? Yeah. That's awesome. So, Yeah.
1: Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing
0: real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody.
1: Welcome to the Testament. My name is Jeff Keck.
2: And I'm Jess Kirchmeyer. We're here today with David Balliot. Hi, David.
1: Hey,
0: how's it going? Thanks for the invite.
2: Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself to us?
0: So David Balliot, I was born in Texas, grew up in Argentina from the age of four to finishing high school. Mm. Then came back to uh, the U.S. for college, met Deborah, my wife, and we... Got married, had three kids, and then the Lord said, uh, why don't you go back to Argentina? So mm. we went back there and spent about 10 years. So I've spent uh, about 25 years of my life in, in Argentina. So wow. uh, they say a combination of Texan, um, Argentine is a good one because <laughs> they're both arrogant and both think they're the best in the world. So, uh, you know, it's a combination.
1: <laughs> How do you combine Texas and Argentina into a word?
0: Well, some friends in Argentina call me Argentex. Like Argentex. Oh, ah. okay. All right. All right. That might work. Texantina. There you
1: go. That's a good one. Tex- a good Texantina sounds like a country music singer.
2: It sounds like a Mexican restaurant.
1: Oh, there you go. Texantina. A cantina. Yeah. 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 So, David, this show is all about telling our testimony in Jesus. Um, so, if you would give us an opportunity to just kind of learn how did you come to know who Jesus was in your life and what has he done, you know, to kind of lead you in your life to where you are right now. And I really hope that you include how, for some reason, you guys left Texas to go to Argentina uh, with
0: your family. Sure. Um, well, of course, I grew up in a mission home, yeah. uh, in a Christian home, mission home at that. And uh, parents who'd never left the United States, uh, didn't speak a second language, uh, got a message from God and decided decided to follow him and, And of course, that played a big role in my life in uh, trying to see, you know, who is this God that would cause my parents to pick up everything and leave. Mm. And uh, so that was a big testimony to me. Um, And then um, discovering uh, through the work of my parents, um, dad was uh, taught music at the seminary in Buenos Aires. Mom was a homemaker and... But she loved her neighbors and, and loved on her neighbors, pursued them in different ways. And so all those things contributed to me wanting to know, well, who is this Jesus that that would uh, make that big of a change in someone's life? And, and uh, so I remember thinking that the world was a big place um, and I needed a Savior. I, I didn't have one. And yeah. uh, so I wanted uh, to, to pursue Jesus, get to know him. And it wasn't until probably college age or um so how old was that again? When I was growing up, um high school junior high, high school at the time. Yeah. Okay. And um, but I remember a big commitment. I wanted um something that stood out in me in my experience in Argentina was the corruption and mm. and different things that I saw. And um I just became a very um in fact later in my life, uh, even to today, um this idea of righteous indignation about the injustices in the world and and how um that's not how god intended for things to be and so that drives me today but that began back in high school when i saw that that kind of uh, realities that people lived in and and that that wasn't the way our lord wanted uh, people to live and right so the the verse for example that i've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly is one that struck early on in my life. And and I just wanted uh, God to use me to uh, help others discover that abundant life.
2: Hmm. How old were you when you moved to Argentina?
0: I was four years old.
2: Okay. So do you remember your time in Texas before that? or Not, not really? really. No, no. Do you really not even really remember much. the move and all that?
0: No, I remember well. Check this out. So these are some things that our the audience probably would uh, may not identify with. <laughs> so we were not. We didn't go on a plane. We went on a ship. Oh. So, so that was back in 1962. <laughs> we spent a year in language school in Costa Rica, so my parents could learn uh, Costa Rican Spanish. That when they got to Argentina it was very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. but anyway, so they endured that. But uh, so yeah, that was. I do have memories really probably through pictures of that trip on the ship, which was a three-week trip, which they used, the mission agency used it as a means of kind of transition between one world and another world. Mm -hmm. It (laughs) slowly uh, took things away from you as you went? Well, what I mean is, well, yes and no. In other words, it was a means of enough time to say goodbye to the world you left and to prepare to enter this new world that would be totally different. yeah, so that that's how we how we got there. Um, when I when I was a little, yeah, and then grew up, um, learned English at home, learned Spanish at at school, and and uh, with friends. I remember one of my first memories of kindergarten was I couldn't speak Spanish and they didn't speak English, but a little boy just motioned, "Come here, come here," and and he pointed, and I walked over to the window, and he was inviting me to go to the playground, and so mm. we went to the playground together. But that's a of, uh, yeah, that's a memory I have of getting there.
2: Were there churches there or other missionaries or other Christians that y'all knew and, and worked with, I guess?
0: Eventually, we went there. No, we didn't okay. know anybody when we went. And then when we arrived, there was a mission, uh, mission family there, oh, other, okay. other missionaries. And so that was uh, my parents made a decision not to. There was a compound that we could have lived in, and they they chose not to put us in uh, Argentine school. So grew up uh, yeah in just hmm. in a neighborhood surrounded by others mainly a catholic nation and uh, so there were other churches of course and yeah. believers but um it wasn't uh in 62 and even when we went as missionaries christians evangelical christians were like second rate citizens hmm. and uh, because catholics uh dominated the the culture and um yeah. so that was yeah Different.
1: You were there your entire school age time, right? From K through 12, yeah. What, and you may have already said this. I miss it. What, what did your parents do?
0: Dad was a music professor at the seminary, established okay. the okay. school of music that today carries mom and dad's name. Nice. Mm. And uh, and dad actually died tragically in Argentina in 83. He was hit by a train hmm. wow. um, in mass transit that they have and. Today I I can't remember how many millions about like fourteen million people in Buenos Aires and so mass transit is pretty chaotic. Mm. And um, how old were you when that happened? It's twenty five. Dad had just married Deborah and I in April uh, Mm. here in the states, and mom and dad went back and and that happened in November. So um, going on forty years almost. Yeah. So mom on on the other hand, speaking of testimonies and knowing Jesus. Uh, Mom's testimony to me, uh, to us uh, as family, she when she was asked, all of us kids when Dad died were grown up. We were all married and had kids, and so the um, mission agency said, "Hey, I guess you're going to go back to the states now that you're you're a widow." And she said, "Oh no, no! I was called to missions before my husband was. I'm going to stay." And she mm-hmm. stayed as a widow and until she retired and came back, and then worked at Southwestern Seminary until she was 81. And uh, she passed this last December at 96. So at 96, she'd only stopped working 15 years. So that's Hmm. a pretty good record.
2: I bet she had some stories to tell.
0: Oh, and challenging ones uh, to live up to. Um, One time, even in the last couple of years, she said, son, you know, I pray for you every time you go on a trip, but I don't ever pray for you to come home. I always pray for you to accomplish what God wants you to do and then just come on back. Yeah. But uh yeah. don't that wasn't her prayer wasn't for my safety. Her prayer was that I accomplished the reason why God sent yeah. me. So awesome. uh those are yeah, that's a tree that you love to fall off of and hope you live up to. So <laughs> yeah. But,
1: uh, so you've been involved in ministry missions and all this other sort of stuff. At what point in your life you, you became a Christian, junior high high school or whatever, accepted Christ into your life. At what point did you did you just know this is what I'm doing the rest of my life. This, this is, I'm going into ministry, I'm going into missions, I'm going into whatever, right? Um, at For what me, point did you know that?
0: I, I, early on, but, but I would say it differently. I don't, because I, I, before we went on air, I was telling you that I graduated with a degree in physical education, mm-hmm. and I did that so that I could be a soccer coach. Mm-hmm. So I coached 10 years of college soccer, began to understand how God could use sports to reach people, and uh, so then he called me into ministry as a missionary, so went to Argentina as a sports evangelist. But I didn't choose to, does that make sense? In yeah. other words, I, it wasn't like, and I haven't really chosen to be a missions pastor, but that's where God has me. So I think the decision that I made wasn't what I'm gonna do, it's who I'm gonna serve and do whatever he asked me Right, to the do.
1: choice was, I'm going to follow. Exactly. Wherever that and, is. Exactly. Yeah. So that's
0: that's been more on my MO because, um, and it still is, um, for better or for worse, whatever that means, uh, do what you got to do and, and allow him to do his thing. And uh, we're here for his glory and for his story, not ours. Right.
2: Did you meet your wife back here in the States?
0: Met her at Dallas Baptist University. Okay. Yeah. She was a freshman and I was a upperclassman and- and so, my four years of difference between, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the older guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah. So, we, yeah, we met there. Um, in fact, uh, all our kids have graduated there. Um, mm. And so, yeah, even one of our um, son in laws has graduated there. Hmm. So,
2: so y'all got married and had kids, and then y'all went back to Argentina to live? Yes.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Did we- y'all
2: go like planning to live however long God had you there? Or do you like have a plan of like, We'll be here for this long or?
0: No, actually, when I when we went to Argentina, in fact, we were offered to go to other places. And I was like, honey, let's just go to. And she's like, honey, God is practical, too. He said he didn't because my wife grew up in Nicaragua. So we were both bilingual Hmm. English, Spanish. And so she's like, honey, God's practical. He's not going to have us both learn a second language to go learn a third one. (laughs) So why why wouldn't we go to Argentina? So anyway, but uh, so, yeah, we didn't when we went, I my thought was, I guess I'll do like my dad did and just go there until he calls me home. And and that's not what happened. In uh, 2004, we came back and uh, served as a missions pastor at uh, uh, Shiloh Terrace uh, Baptist Church in East uh, Dallas. And then after twelve years, uh, the Lord asked me, and and we followed him to here, at Lake Church. So, so,
1: so Argentina to you at this point was kind of home.
0: It still is you know, in a yeah. way. So, yeah.
1: How did you can okay? How did yeah. you convince your wife? I mean, obviously, she was called to to leave Texas and go to Argentina. <laughs> Just say, well, actually,
0: the, mine's ta- not going to do that, that, that. That's a so, really good story. I'm glad you brought that up and brought that to my mind. Um. And she won't mind me telling this. It's part of our life story. But uh, when I was beginning to be interested in missions, um, I contacted the International Mission Board in, in Richmond, Virginia. And I was like, hey, you know, we're interested or what about this? And so they started sending correspondence. Well, I didn't see the correspondence a lot because uh, she that was the last thing she wanted to do. And so uh, I never saw the letters and uh, <laughs> the find out. Later in the process, that it was because she kept throwing them away. Well, <laughs> but one day we had friends came to visit us from Argentina, who had also served in Uruguay and Nepal, and uh, and they were telling us uh, we've had long visits over three or four days till early in the morning and uh, like three or four in the morning, and she had to get up and go teach at Dallas Baptist and. <laughs> And one morning she, or one night when she's getting ready to go to bed, she set the alarm for the, uh, uh, the radio to come on. And she just made sure it was on a station. She didn't know which mm-hmm. one and woke up the next morning to, um, I think it was KLTY, and, yeah. and it was um, a, a talk show host that was on there a lot. I can't remember his name, but, and he, and he, it was like, there's some, there's there's a woman out there that's really struggling with what God wants her to do. And. And and she hits snooze and and then it comes back on and and I really just feel convicted that there's a woman out there. I just want to encourage you that that what God has for you is really good. Anyway, just stuff like that and yeah. hit snooze again and it was an, again and we knew it. we had a friend that worked at the station. So she later that day she calls and said, "Hey, Joel, uh, is is this normal? Does he do this like?" He no, I'm, he's never done it. And so then she all of a sudden started pushing me to make sure we filled out the forms and got the papers oh, yeah? in. And hmm. so she went from throwing the letters away. And so, <laughs> so I didn't really have to do much convincing. I will tell you that before all that happened, I was I was like, OK, God, I guess if you don't want us to go, we're not gone. Yeah. And, and why you would tell me one thing and Deborah another, I don't know. But uh, so anyway, the end of the story is, that yes, we she was pushing me to make sure the papers were filled out. And hmm. so that was kind of cool. I I realized there that we can work real hard to try to get somebody to do something. And if we just back off and let God do his part, then yeah. it's easier.
2: That can be so hard though. You're like, you're clutching that thing you want or feel like, yeah, needs to happen and just let it go and let it be.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Part of that waiting that minute, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Long minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, so you became mission pastor and, and then you moved here. So, being a missions pastor, what does that mean to you? What does that entail? What, is, what does that mean to you?
0: To me, part of the excitement is to to see how God calls people to go f- and for them to answer and say yes. And then to uh, network, um, have uh, developed the network. God does that. Uh, today, my phone, I have numbers from people from multiple nations. It's fun to be in touch with them. But more importantly, it's fun to talk to an individual. Who's maybe leaning towards something, and you go, "Hey, hold on! I know somebody that could help you uh, narrow that down," and hmm. and you put them in touch. And um, just recently, uh, one of our uh, members at Lake Church, uh, Sarah Branch, she has a she's in Brazil, and and uh, so she says, "Hey, do you know anybody in Argentina? Uh, we, I have a friend that's going to go to the university there," and I say, "Well, what city?" and turns out to be the city that we lived in as hmm. as a family, and. So of course I do, and so I got in touch with that pastor, and and he says yes, send her my contact. We'll we'll receive her and figure out how to help her and what she needs. And so those kinds of networking things are what's uh, to me one of the funnest things there is, and very exciting to see how. uh, I love being the middleman, Uh, and because I know Spanish fluently, I've done a lot of translating. So to me, that translating or interpreting is. kind of how i hope to live my life is that is to to hear what god says on one end and then share it mm-hmm. and the joy i have is that it went through me is yeah. that, and so that's kind of how i feel as a missions pastor is i have this contact that god provided and i have this person that needs a contact and mm-hmm. and so i get the joy of seeing them connect and network and and then hear the stories that come about from those things
2: and kind of like you were saying too with the earlier with the world being a big world, like it kind of makes it smaller when you have all the different networks and people connections all over the place. Oh, like, yeah.
0: Yeah. though yeah, That's exciting because you don't. Um, yeah. He well, plus as believers, we have a family all over the world. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of whether we want to go meet them or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to to run into believers in other parts of the world, you may not be able to speak their language, but you speak their heart language and they mm-hmm. speak yours because that's Jesus. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting.
2: How many countries have you been to? Do
0: you uh, know, yeah, I've been to thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. I, I'm I'm missing. Uh, I think I've been to five five continents. I'd like to get to Australia and Antarctica. I think if I do that, I might hit them all. But Antarctica. Uh, so many countries yet to know. What's in Antarctica? He's going to go in there for a snow cone or?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. He's going to evangelize to the penguin. <laughs> just to be able to say I did.
0: Just to I say I did it. But yeah. No, it, uh, there's a lot of fun. And in, in, uh, I think if, if we look at just an object and uh, you have your point of view, and when you meet people from around the world, they each look at that same object from a different position. Mm-hmm. And so that's exciting to me is to meet and get to know uh, who God made them to be and how he formed them and because and, uh, they're his creation and made in his image, too. And so uh, it's, a, uh, it's a fascinating thing to, uh, yeah, to, to learn those things. And then nations are so different. Cultures mm-hmm. are so different. But yet we have so many good things in common. I was reflecting on children, for example. Uh, when you go to an airport anywhere in the world and you see children or you're on a plane, basically it's the same, right? They're going to cry. They're hungry. <laughs> yeah. They they get frustrated. And so- That's me. That's not
1: <laughs> children.
0: Yeah. yeah well, that, you're right. It's adults too. But <laughs> but the cool thing about them is, is they need help uh, and they want help and- they don't sometimes know how to ask for it the best way but i think that's that's a um in other words we have a lot of things in common is my point mm-hmm. and um, just noticing that in children and parents parents have the same frustrations and uh, is, so the, anyway that's that's a joy from travel to see mm-hmm. how much we have in common and yet we seem to focus on our differences rather than what yeah. we have in common yeah so 30 something countries
1: what did you say? Twenty-five years or so in Argentina. Um, so tell us about a time when you have actually seen God's work in action during your mission
0: journeys. Well, in Argentina, uh, when we arrived, uh, and again I was a sports evangelist, so I was uh, I was drawn to the fact that soccer in Argentina is more than a sport; it's a national religion. Hmm. Uh, the passions that are expressed at games and and even during the week between games uh people i learned when we arrived in october of 96 that over 200 people had died at stadiums Mm -hmm. and and now again that um righteous indignation set in and i was like this is not the way it's supposed to be soccer's a sport supposed to be for enjoyment fans are supposed to go and enjoy watching their team and That was, yeah, that wasn't happening. Um, People weren't able to go. Families weren't able to go because it was such a violent place. So I began to speak to churches about this reality and asking, uh, seeing if they would um, join in doing something in that the church was the only one that had an answer. The governments didn't have one. Police didn't have one. um, And so that turned into uh, my first experience was uh, to prayer walk a stadium of maybe sixty thousand people. Just and you, that's not an easy thing to do because there's uh, all these um, um, fences or whatever put a barriers put up so that people you can't mix. There are fans of one team can't mix with fans of another, and mm. so you have different entrances for the different fan bases and sometimes the operation that the police d- develop is from like three or four blocks in around so you it's very hard public transportation they tell you which ones if you're a fan of this team you can come on buses if you come on this <laughs> sounds team, like high school wow. football in Texas well it's it gets <laughs> pretty crazy and uh, like I said over 200 people had died but anyway we did we began to go to stadiums and so we understood that we were Taking young people from churches to violent places, and so um, what the Lord led us to, led me to talk about was, "Hey guys, remember, if anyone has to die today, it has to be one of us, because for us to die is gain, but it's not for them." Mm-hmm. And so the the concept of uh, the the Lord kept driving in was we needed to uh, stand in, in the in the in, in the gap and and try to protect the lo- the protect protect lives. Well, we trained this one church. They wanted to adopt a stadium in their city and and um a small town. And um, and so there was maybe 15 volunteers and they were gonna work the game that weekend. And there was a the 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 um team was gonna exercise the right of admission. In other words, if you they didn't have to allow people to get in just because they had a ticket. If they knew that they were violent people, they didn't let them in. So, um well, that made that the gang that was going to come was even more of a wanted to be more violent, right? Because they were going to be uh, restricted and not be able to admit uh, they weren't able to get in the game. Well, our, our small group of volunteers um, saw them coming and they had chains and stick. they were going to cause ruckus and break things and storm in anyway. Well, the that group of volunteers just began to pray and uh, and nothing happened. Hmm. And so the the coolest part of the story comes later two days later a young lady that had been there and all they were identified with is a t-shirt that says no more violence on the front and a message from god on the back and and this young guy that was in the game comes up to her and says hey um what did you all do the other day and she said well i don't know what you mean at the game at the game what did you do And, and he said you you were with the no more violence people he says yeah So what did you do? And She said, why are you asking? He said, well, we were coming and we were going to tear everything up. But two blocks away from the stadium, something kept us from advancing. We couldn't get closer to the stadium. (laughs) So what in the world did y'all do? He says, well, we just asked God to not let anything happen. And and so she drove that home. And and then he said, uh, by the way, I know the people in blue. Those are the police officers. And the people in green, those are the soldiers that come out. But who in the world were all those people dressed in white standing around all y'all? Wow. So we began to learn how it's God that is there and his angels are there. And I have no idea what people see or how they do it. But God does desire peace and he does want to deliver it and he does protect life. And mm. so we began to just understand that we needed to be there. And what happened um, as a result of our continual going to games, one of the police chiefs in Buenos Aires came to us one day and said, you know, when you don't bring your volunteers to the games, the violence is your fault. (laughs) And we said, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, no, 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 we have documented evidence that every time your volunteers are here, there's never violence. Wow. So today, fast forward to today, my firm belief is that in Arlington, anywhere i went to uvalde afterwards unfortunately but the church has a role of prevention uh, when we shed light then there's no darkness when we allow the lord the presence of the lord in me to be there then the enemy has to flee and so um, the role of prevention is one that i would love to see churches all over the world uh, just stand up in that authority that jesus said we had in him yeah and, and so yeah, hopefully that's. A, yeah, that's
1: great.
2: Hmm. I also just love like I don't know, your your outlook of looking towards others. I feel like so many times, even in the church and in Christianity, we look at like, okay, what does the Bible say to me about me and my life? And so I love that, like, like your main goals and your main purposes are for others. And like you said, like, like going in and saying, I'm willing to die because it's it's I'll be all right. Like it's it's going to be good, you know, for them if I if I take their place. Like, I don't know. I, I love
0: that. Scripture says that uh, pursue first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, and all these things will be added unto you. So when we pursue the kingdom, we don't have anything to worry about ourselves. He's, yeah. he's uh, like a dad. He loves us. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: he's going to do what he can to help us. And um, not all times does that mean everything's going to be good. Right. We have wow. to also understand that, yeah. and um, it doesn't that's not what it means
2: right so i'm I'm sure living there for twenty five years, I'm sure there were hard times and times where things didn't work out how you were, you would have expected or you would have
0: thought, um, yeah, but it makes us richer, right? It makes mm-hmm. our experiences deeper and or those experiences make our relationship to him deeper, yeah um, yeah um. I always like to, to draw the parallel between Daniel and the lion's den. And we all love that story. Mm-hmm. But as I pursued one knowing, God, why did you save Daniel? What in the world? I mean, really? Come on. I'd love to walk with the lions too. I'd love to sit among them. That would be great. And I found that he, God found him righteous. And as soon as I came to that conclusion, it's like the Lord said, son, I found uh, Stephen righteous too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I had to eat that for a while, chew on that for a long mm-hmm. time because it's like, okay, God, you're, you don't want me to be concerned about my circumstances. What you want me to be concerned about is if you find me righteous. Mm-hmm. So I have to allow God to—it's his choice whether it's lions that don't bite me or stones that kill me or put me to sleep, in this case, that's like Stephen, right? But um, that's not what I need to be concerned about. And uh, so it is about being uh, loving other people. It is about pursuing people. It is about uh, their well-being because my well-being is taken care of, whether it's stones or lions.
2: Right. I just read the story, Stephen, this morning. It's cool.
0: No, it's a powerful one. Yeah. Mm.
2: So, um, okay. So now you're doing, now you're here, you're doing missions, pastor stuff, but then you're also involved in one world sports. What do you do? What well, is your role in
0: My involvement in one world is to just uh be a support to Derek Hicks, uh, the director and founder and um and yeah, really help uh the, the idea with of using sports as a platform and uh, really excited about what's happening with one world and the the people that are working there around the world. And uh, the the platforms that, that allow the connection to take place between those who participate in sports mm-hmm. and uh, reaching them.
2: Yeah. So will you explain, in case anyone doesn't know, what is One World Sports? What is their...
0: One World do do? is um, is an organization that uh, uses uh, sports, uh, promotes sports um, with cross-cultural um, um, experiences. Um like taking uh, one exciting experience we had together uh with Derek after so many years I coached him in college and and so I was able to coach again but we took six players from the US from Texas and completed a team of 11 we went to the United Arab Emirates and we completed a team of 11 with five Muslim Emiratis and we crossed the border into Oman and played a friendly against the University of Sohar so <laughs> So as a relationship building, it's about a cross, uh, like I said, cross-cultural experience that opens your worldview and helps sure. you to see people, but meet people and, and exchange life stories, uh, talk about families and uh, experiences. And, and so it provides that. Uh, it's a, that kind of platform that allows you to, to uh, meet people from mm-hmm. other places and uh, play a sport that you have in common compete, which is always a great thing to, mm-hmm. to compete with someone that you don't know or against someone that you don't know. And both of those are, are right. really cool things. And so that's, that. Yeah, yeah. but I think sports uh, unites the world. And I think one world uh, depicts that. Huh.
1: So there's always that one person out there who is on the fence about missions, whether it be short-term missions or being called to go do something somewhere else, live somewhere else or whatever. What's your one piece of advice
0: for them? I'd say don't be afraid. Um, the same guy created the universe uh, is in charge of everything. And if you love him and he loves you, then there's not much to worry about, uh, no matter how it goes. And uh, Don't worry about time. Don't worry about finances. Worry, no. Yeah. Um, I always like to say it this way. You know, a lot of the, one of the biggest concerns with people is, well, I don't know if I can afford it or mm-hmm. time, you know. And, and I say, hey, if I invite you to dinner, who's paying? Mm-hmm. And they say, you are. I say, Exactly. So ask God if He's inviting you to go somewhere, <laughs> and then just wait for Him to provide. Yeah. Now you have to do your part. Right. You have to go tell people you're going to go, and and you pursue it, pray about yeah. it. Um, but I, I think we we failed to realize that what God's invited us to through Jesus is to uh, walk in this great adventure of discovery. What is it that He prepared for us before we were born? Mm. What is it? What What are the purposes He has for us? And if those purposes involve us going to some remote place in the world or goodness, some people serve in really pretty, beautiful, awesome places. Um and some of us work in just regular jobs, but that's also a great place to do mission yeah, work. Yeah, and so uh yeah. mission work today is is everywhere all the time, which is what he called us all of us to do anyway. Right. right. That's a great analogy. I love that. Yeah. God's calling you to dinner. Just mm-hmm. show up and sit at the table. That's it. And let him yes. Pretty great menu. Where
2: are you headed next?
0: Uh, I'll be in Costa Rica at the end of um, July.
2: Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Let's have some
1: fun. Let's do. Uh Uh-oh. All right. So, David, you're going to play against Jess. We're going to play Name That Bible Character. Uh Uh-oh. Because you are a guest... You get to go first.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Thank you, I guess. (laughs) All right, so I
1: have four categories. Okay. Um, You have Old Testament women, Old Testament men, New Testament women, or New Testament men.
0: Oh, my. Let's go New Testament uh, men.
1: All right, New Testament men. Here we go. I was a follower of Jesus, but I am not one of the 12 disciples. Who am I?
0: Goodness, isn't that a long list?
1: <laughs> yeah, but there was a tag along. It was there a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, goodness. Uh, good to see Jess struggling with that.
1: Yeah, this will be a Mark This two. is my poker face. Oh, I, yeah. I just look like I'm no, struggling. Yeah. <laughs> <face>. <laughs> Mark, okay. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. Mentions this person, not that I'm giving you a, a yeah, resource I, to go exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: no, let me, no, let no. Let me just, I got a message. Hang
2: on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I, uh, um, I don't know that I have that. Just you know,
2: tag along, but not. I want to say it was one of the. We're all for the gospel people. Some Part of the twelve. I feel like it was like,
1: I don't know, Luke. It's Levi.
2: No, oh, no, I wouldn't. Have okay.
1: Got it. <laughs> All right. No problem. We're going to leave it at oh. zero zero right now. Jess, is your question? Same four categories. Uh, Old women. <laughs>
2: <laughs> old Testament. Who would women. want? Uh, be, okay. Gonna say, <laughs> who'd like to be identified as that?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> old women. Old <laughs> women. <laughs> uh, I became queen of Persia. In place of Vashti, Esther. That's Esther. I feel like I've asked that question before once. She got it right, Esther. Uh-oh. All right, back to you. One of the four categories. Goodness. Can we play play soccer or something?
2: <laughs> score a goal. It's hard to get the audio on that. <laughs> go. <laughs>
0: there you go. Which category? Old men. That <laughs> is one.
1: Okay, this shouldn't be easy. I am the twin brother who gave up my birthright. Esau. You got it. All right, so we're tied, Jess.
2: We'll stick with Old Testament men.
1: All right, fine. Here we go. Uh I was called by the Lord to deliver Israel from the power of the Midianites.
2: Midianites? I don't know, Joshua.
1: Is not Joshua? David? Midianites. This is in the book of uh, Judges, chapter 6. Oh, was but...
2: a judge. Oh. There's a lot of those.
1: Oh, yeah, I know.
2: This guy came along and then they did great. And oh, did
1: Samson? No. Not Samson. Oh, This one is Gideon. Gideon. Oh.
2: Look at there. Midian, Gideon.
1: All right, we're still tied. So whose turn is it now?
2: It's his turn. Right. No, I, yeah, yeah, sister.
1: That's yeah,
0: fine. my turn. Go for it. Let's go um, back to New Testament women. I was the wife
1: of Zechariah and the oh. mother of John.
0: Gosh, should have read that trivia book.
1: You know, if we weren't in the middle of a game, you could probably just throw it right out there. It's just—it's the pressure of being under a microphone. Do you know who it is? Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, I guess I'm going to lose two to one. Mm, you don't know? I don't think so, no.
2: It was Elizabeth.
0: It was Elizabeth. Elizabeth.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, John the Baptist. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Should have been more clarifying in your question okay. asking. Did we get
1: an even number of questions yet for everybody? Yes. I think so, yeah. Okay, so it's what? Two to one? Yeah. All right. That's good. Yeah, that's good. We're going to give another shot for you to come back. Pick a category.
2: Um.
1: If you get this wrong, he wins automatically.
2: What? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back to Old Testament women.
1: Okay, going back to old women. Old women. The sister of Aaron
0: and Moses. Miriam. That's correct.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, now, how many times has she heard these questions? Oh, well, these are different. They're different. Oh, he nice.
2: keeps those. I've never seen them.
0: Okay. Well. I'm talk. always the
1: one that asks the Babo. Character questions, and then I check them off as I ask them, so I never ask them a second you said, time. The bubble, the
2: bubble character. <laughs> sorry,
1: is that what I said? You said, I'm the one that asks the bubble character, the bubble, the bubble question, the Bible. bubble, Whatever. bubble. Okay, sorry. All right, so what's the score? I wasn't even keeping a score. Three, I think David three won three to one. <laughs> yeah, I think David won.
2: Yeah, David won three <laughs> to one.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, all good. That's good stuff. Good job, good job. Congratulations. Thank you, thank
2: you, thank you. David, we'd like to finish um, with God's Word. So what would you share with us that is your favorite verse or passage or storyline of Scripture?
0: Probably one of my favorites that I've used a lot and I've enjoyed seeing how God uses it in people's lives is uh, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And how I like to say that is that if you enjoy being with God, it's like uh I'm a grandfather, I have seven grandkids, and I have four kids and and I promise you that as a dad and a grandfather um and I just assign that 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 god is is that kind of a person uh, that uh he loves us so much that when we really enjoy being with him, then the desires of our heart become his are really his in us, and so Who's the first one that wants those to come true it's god there's nothing he can't do Mm -hmm. so why not have desires that that are god-based and founded in him and his heart and then you can lean on him uh, and see it unfold before your eyes and so i really that speaks to me to number one enjoy being with him delight have fun enjoy being uh, in his presence but then, um, what are the desires of my heart? You know, are they for me? are they me centered or are they kingdom centered? Are they things that that he would that would align with his heart? and and when that's the case, that's why I called uh, pursuing Jesus, it's an adventure. It's uh, uh living for him. it's 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 fun. It's go discover what it is. and not every day is awesome, but every day is an adventure. and it's either gonna be. I guess another way I like to put it, it's a visual. So if you've gotten on a roller coaster at Six Flags, you have the really strong ups, you know, and, and they're, it's a struggle to get up. And then you have the really fast downs and you have the tough lefts and rights and maybe the up, you know, around it. And But when you get off, you know, you say, hey, you want to go again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, life yeah. is like that with Christ. It might be a hard up. It might be a really fast down, lefts, rights, all over. But at the end of the day, you wake up the next day and go, God, let's go again. Mm-hmm. Let's do this again. And so, yeah, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37.4. There you go.
1: <laughs> Outstanding. David Balliette, thanks so much for doing this. Hey, I appreciate thank you it. all.
0: Thanks for the invite.
1: It's uh, And I appreciate the fact that you agreed to do this show like 45 minutes before we started. <laughs> <So>. Oh, hey. <laughs> Missions pastors, we learned to be fluid. Yeah. No, yes. so I sure do appreciate <laughs> your time. Thank Blank you. Thank you
0: very much. Give me a second while I find them. <laughs> oh, well, I, it may take me longer than a minute. It might, be, <laughs> it, it might just be God's minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: sure, as soon as I find them. <laughs> Those aren't women. <laughs> Those two Old Testament women if you want them. Nope, nope, I got some New Testament women right here. All right. Really should have labeled these. <laughs> go, um, I was the daughter of, nope, we'll choose another one real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: David, I'm would we like to finish. Some, hold on, I'm
1: going to pick some harder ones the next time. All right, go ahead. If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ.
2: You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched.
1: Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think. If you have any comments or ideas for us or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show.
2: Be sure to like and share our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash the testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts.
1: And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card.
2: That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So thanks everyone for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.